Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Okay, here we go. Growing in Grace, Mike and Joel, celebrating God's covenant that he made with himself, that we benefit from, and uh, it's it's good news. It's good news for everybody. The thing is, people need to receive it, believe it and receive it, and then uh, we get to enjoy all the benefits of this covenant that God, you see, God made a promise with himself. He made an oath to himself, since he could swear by nobody greater. Uh, believe it or not, there's nobody greater than God. And so <laughs> he can only swear by himself. <laughs> but that is the basis of this new covenant in which we stand. And so here on Growing in Grace, week after week, that's what we're uh, sharing and talking about. How's Mr. Kapler doing? Oh, he's okay. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> I always ask you that, like uh, someone else should answer for, for you. For those, for those old-timers out there who would remember this, Bob Dole, who was a, a senator and <laughs> ran for president, he, he would always Bob refer Dole. to himself in the third person. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. Yeah, he'd always call himself Bob Dole. And for all the old people out there, that was the first election that I actually took seriously. That's beside the point here, but... <laughs> I was a, a teenager youngster. before that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, I, I just refer to those people as old timers, and then I realized when you said that, oh, you're a youngster. Um, yeah, you're an old timer. <laughs> yeah, because the first one I took seriously, well, it was right after my 18th birthday. Eisenhower? Back when Reagan ran for president. <laughs> so that that's when I started, you know, kind of paying more attention. But Yeah. I lived in England at the time, and it was uh, Maggie, Maggie Thatcher that was the big oh, deal. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Well, let's continue with our series on the New Covenant. And by the way, if you're just catching up to us here and you've missed our last several weeks, I encourage you to go back because we're going to jump into some stuff here. Growingandgrace.org, you'll find all the archived programs. Uh, The most recent ones are at the top. Um, We've been in Hebrews 8, and we've been breaking this down, going back over some things that we also talked about in recent weeks from Hebrews 7. We've got a very different covenant in place now. As you said, Joel, God made this covenant with himself. It's different. It's better. It's new. The old had to be thrown out, tossed aside because it was weak. It was useless. Here, God said, and and the writer in Hebrews, actually, the writer of Hebrews was quoting Jeremiah and the prophecy with this new covenant when he said that this would not be like the covenant which I made with the, the fathers when they came out of Egypt And I led them out of there. This would be a different thing. It would be an eternal thing. They did not continue in that covenant. It didn't work out. So I'm going to make something that will work out because uh, I'm I'm going to be the one to enact this covenant uh, with with myself. Father and son came together here and made this thing work. And something we came to toward the end of last week, at the end of this prophecy in Jeremiah, I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. See, there's something else that's different about the former covenant that God made with Israel, not with us non-Jewish people, but he made it with Israel. 
there was this constant reminder of sins, and we'll be talking about this in the weeks to come, but we're going to touch on it here right now, this reminder of sins that took place under the Old Covenant, because it was all about the people trying to perform and live up to the standard of perfection that the law required. They couldn't do it, so there was this constant, you know, the, the many priests that we talked about, the many sacrifices, none of which could take away sins. It just brought a reminder. It brought a sin consciousness that's the old way. Here God says, I will remember their sins no more. That's another reason, Joel, why we know, as we talked last week, this is another reason why we know it wasn't the old laws, it wasn't the Ten Commandments or any of the old covenant laws or commands or statutes, it wasn't any of those that are written on our hearts now. Because those things brought a reminder of sin. The new says, I will remember their sins no more. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the ministry of the law, just real quick, it made people guilty, Romans 3.19. It condemned, 2 Corinthians 3.9. It imputed sin to man. Through it, sin abounded, Romans 5.20. It brought death, Romans 7. It was against us and contrary to us, Colossians 2. It was enmity with us, Ephesians 2. It was the strength of sin. And Paul even writes that sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. (laughs) For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, what happened? Sin revived, and I died. So that's the ministry of the law. In fact, that is the ministry of the law, so God had to do something about that. And in Christ, what happened was the law was wiped out, taken out of the way, nailed to the cross. That's in Colossians 2. It was abolished. Ephesians 2.15 says that. It was put to death. Ephesians 2.16. And we've talked about how it was annulled and made obsolete in Hebrews. So if that's what had to happen with the law because of its very unfruitful ministry that led to death and was the strength of sin and all that, then why do we think that that is what God has written on our hearts and, and like you said, verse 12 of Hebrews 8, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. What happens to the law is that sins and lawless deeds are remembered constantly. That's the ministry of the law. But like you were saying, Cap, that's another reason why we can understand that this new covenant is nothing like the old covenant. The old had sins and lawless deeds remembered time after time after time. In the New Covenant, God is merciful to our unrighteousness, our sins and lawless deeds remembered no more. Verse 13 of Hebrews 8, in that he says, A new covenant, he has made the old covenant obsolete. That is such good news for us. That word obsolete, it means obsolete. I've looked, <laughs> I'm looking at the, the Greek word just real quick. It means to make ancient or old, to become old, to be worn out, uh, to declare a thing to be old. I mean, it's God declared that covenant obsolete. He declared it obsolete. It was worn out. It, it God only found fault with the people through it, and he needed something else, again, that wasn't based upon our own works, our own deeds, our own performance, but it was solely based upon God's promise to himself. And so uh, he says, uh, Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. I know we've got a few thoughts on that. For one thing, Cap, what you and I believe is that when Jesus died, at the death of Jesus, as Hebrews talks about, 
A testament becomes in effect when the testator dies. Jesus died, and so that's when the new covenant began. But one thought that I have on this, this old covenant, why it was becoming obsolete and growing old and ready to vanish away, even though I believe firmly that it ended at Jesus' death, there were still some people who were operating under that covenant for a few years to come. And that's one reason why it was becoming obsolete and growing old and ready to vanish away. In God's mind, in God's eyes, it was done. It was finished. But people on earth for a few years to come still operated under that. And I know, uh, I think you have some thoughts on that, too. No. No. Next topic. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> See you next week, folks. Oh. <laughs> it, yes. Just to follow up on what you said. I mean, when we look at, at that last verse in Hebrews chapter 8. You said it. I've got two sentences in the version I'm reading right now, and people always focus on the second sentence, and, and, you know, theologians come up with this idea that, well, the new covenant isn't fully in effect yet. It's not really ratified entirely because Israel hasn't agreed to it, and and so it's going to take place over time, and it'll be fully in place when Jesus comes back again. But we discussed that a little bit and, and decided that that's just not heading in the right direction here. It says right here, I mean, you read it, Hebrews 8.13, when he said, when God said a new covenant, he has, he has made the first obsolete, New American Standard mm-hmm. Version here. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Again, something we talked about a few weeks ago was how the Jewish people who were coming to Christ in large numbers, many of them, they were not fully informed on the finished work of Jesus Christ. They chose to believe. They, they heard this word about the, Christ the Messiah, and they chose to believe. But they were still learning. I mean, the, we're talking about centuries of tradition here that needed to be broken apart. And, you know, they didn't have newspapers back at that time, a daily newspaper. They couldn't turn on cable TV and get the word. This was something that was going to gradually, very slowly start to spread and make its way, which is probably part of the motivation here for the writer of Hebrews to Mm -hmm. get this ladder out there Mm -hmm. to these people who were still sacrificing animals, still going through a purification process, different activities in the temple, other law-abiding things that they may still go by, either the Sabbath or the clothes that they wore, the foods that they ate, a variety of different things from the law, hundreds of rules and commands as we've talked about. It's really hard for these people just to break free from that, even when they're being told Jesus is our Messiah, he's our answer, he rose to be with the Father. They didn't understand that the old was going to be completely shut down. I mean shut down. And that probably was a challenge for these people to to come to grips with, to say, wait a minute, you mean sacrificial offerings are completely ended? I mean, are you sure? Have you got this right? You can only imagine what must have been going through the minds of the people for, for many years, and, and even still today, I suppose, in some ways. But, but that's what happened, Joel. In that sense, it was becoming obsolete. In the mind of God, it was over when Jesus said, it is finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in chapter 7, when the writer is talking about uh, Abraham's tithe, and he says, here mortal men receive tithes, he's, of course, talking about the Levite tribe receiving tithes from the other 11 Jewish tribes. So he knew that at that time that he wrote this, those things were still going on. 
like you said, the sacrifices were still going on. So many things were still going on, but that's because, it, indeed, like you said, it took time for the word to get out, and it took time for people to believe this incredulous news. No way that we're supposed to end all this stuff. What? What are you talking about? You can just see the struggle going on in some people's hearts with this. But the new covenant did begin with the death of Jesus. And like you said, in, in God's eyes, the old covenant was done. It was finished. It was over with at the death of Jesus. And so in God's eyes, he has made the first obsolete. And it just took some time to uh, grow old and, and, and vanish away. So we've got lots more to say on this uh, wonderful new covenant We've gone through parts of chapter 6 and 7 and 8 here, and we'll see where this journey takes us. It's so fun and, uh, I think, informative, talking about the New Covenant and, and how it was so different from the Old Covenant and how the two covenants aren't mixed together. We, can't, we just can't do that. Uh, you can't mix uh, something that was never meant to be put together. It's like we, we call this thing Judeo-Christianity, but no, it's, you can't. You just cannot do that. If, if the Old was made obsolete— <laughs> it doesn't get mixed in with something that's been made new. So coming up next week, we'll talk more about this old covenant having been made obsolete. So much guilt is experienced by believers who don't know all of this stuff, that the old covenant was made obsolete, that the law was weak and useless. That's what the book of Hebrews says. Now, we don't want you to walk around and wallow around and all that guilts and so we'll talk more about this stuff all this good news that we find in the book of hebrews and elsewhere right here next week on growing in grace this has been growing in grace with mike kapler and joel brzezinski heard online through various internet sources around the world each week to access hundreds of past programs visit graceroots.org share it with a friend and listen again next week for more growing in grace